Yeah, thanks for having me here again this morning. It's just, we are family, we're part of each other and doing life together. And um, yeah, Kim, was that you over there? <laughs> I did your wedding many years ago, hey? And uh, I just felt the Lord say to commend you. Uh, just looking across at you during worship and uh, that you stood fast, you've held the line uh, through so much uh, that you've had to go through and challenges, and, uh, but you've kept the faith, you've kept your eyes on Jesus all the way through. So I felt the Lord say, well done, my daughter. You've done well and you've held the line so many years. Well done. <laughs> yeah. How many How many years? 14 years ago. Wow, I remember that wedding. <laughs> yeah, and so many of you have just stood firm over the years and really just served the Lord Jesus. And what's the purpose of today? What's the purpose of this morning's meeting? Um, it's why we gathered here, you know, in Jesus' name. And and the reason really is just to equip us. Well, it's great just to be together. Number one. Um, and I believe you guys are used to the bad sound here. Uh, nothing to do with the sound people, it's to do with the acoustics of the building. And um, apparently you get used to it. <laughs> um, I won't go and see a doctor about the ringing in my ears. And uh, yeah, but the purpose of this morning is the equipping. You know, to bring, if, my, you know, the role that I've got here is to point you to Jesus and to take you closer to him in your relationship. That's what it is, is to bring the heart of Jesus, bring understanding of who he is, the Father, the Holy Spirit, that we may please him and glorify him. As I said, the whole purpose of our life is to glorify God. That's why you exist, is to glorify God. You may th think it's something else, but the reality is we have to glorify God with our lives. And, and how do we do that? That's the question. Is how, well, what does that look like? And um, and the reality is, I love some of the prayers that came through and uh, the connection of our hearts to Him this morning. But from our hearts, there's got to be an overflow. There's got to be a reality, a rubber hitting the road, and uh, action that takes place and that God wants to see in us as, a, as expression of His body. Jesus is the head. He's building His church. He's speaking to us, guiding us bringing us closer to the values of kingdom that we might express them on this earth. Uh, I mentioned last week, you know, about Romans and uh, almost like the, 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 the credible science of this world and the biology of this world, really just for a Christian, who's the veil who's been lifted, just screams Jesus and God and creation. Uh, it's so obvious. But for those who are deceived and the biggest spirit we're ever going to have to deal with ever in this life is deception. It's a terrible spirit, terrible. Uh, people try and engage me on Facebook, you know, because I believe Facebook is, for me, it's a, a, mo it's a moment of being able to express uh, something of an understanding of God. I'm not there to debate people, uh, because then you get all the interesting people uh, come along with their, they've got their two followers and they're getting no traction on their, their side. So they come across to someone who's maybe a leader and they then start bringing their teachings there, which they, and I'll say, sorry, mate, you know, if you're going to come on here publicly and take me on doctrinally, I'm going to publicly say you, you're wrong and you are deceived and I'm eliminating your post from here um, because deception, they want to engage me. Oh, what about this scripture? Why won't you answer this scripture? Because you're deceived. I can't argue with you. 
And I've learned that over life. I do not argue with deceived people. I just go, you just go around in a circle. The goalposts just keep moving. And I've got to ask the question all the time, am I deceived, you know? I'm, I'm not superior to them. I'm not better than them. But, uh, how, do, but I believe in, in the teachings and the doctrines that we hold to because I see them in the Word. They obviously see what they see in the Word. And we're getting such... Uh, lenses today that we're dealing with. You know, you'll get a lens over here and they'll quote scripture and they'll be correct, but it's incorrectly quoted. Just like the devil quoted scripture to Jesus when he's been tempted, it was pure and good old scripture, but totally the wrong word for that season, for that moment. And Jesus would, often, would always encounter him with scripture. No, this word applies now. And so a mature believer, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to achieve maturity because maturity uh, is productive and effective. Uh, immature believers, are, they can be gray in, in hair and of hair or whatever the expression is, uh, but they can still be babies inside. And just as my wife says, they're just repeating year one 20 times. You know, they think, well, I'm, I'm in church 20 years. You know, what can you tell me, Lati, young man? And uh, not referring to me, obviously. And, um, <laughs> but because we've had that. We've, I've just this last week, we reappointed. Uh, we re, you know, we're, in the, we're in this place of redeeming people because Jesus is. We redeemed a young leader in another congregation. He's, this morning, they're telling the whole congregation about it because um, a year and a half ago, September, not last year, the year before, we had to step four lead elders down uh, for sexual sin uh, in one day because uh, God revealed something, and uh, then three guys got convicted and came forward of their own, they weren't caught out, and came forward and said, I'm, I'm caught up in pornography, and, I, and can you lead God's people like that? And so deception is a, and I'll speak a little bit about this morning on leaders and saints and how we interact. Well, we're all saints, but people who have to, who are called to follow God's leaders. And what should that relationship look like? Because we don't have leaders and we don't have followers. We're not representing Christ well. And uh, we're not taking the church into where she should go. I haven't got my wife here to tell me if I missed a point, so I'm relying on some of you guys to tell me to backtrack. I am ADD, so I have 50 thoughts at one time. And the ADD guys follow me great, but all you systematic guys, um, you've, you're going to be frustrated with me. Um, so, yeah, understand that we, we in, a, in an age of immense deception, and the, in, in Timothy, we even see that, that there will be people, doctrines that will come and teachings that will come and will deceive even the elect. Um, people will go down wrong journeys. I see guys so many times uh, taking up strong positions on a particular topic, which is not helpful. And they suddenly believe they've seen the light, you know. And there's a guy who's written a book recently in Cape Town, and he's seen the lights in a particular area of doctrine, and which for us is challenging because we know the, this guy, and uh, we will have to rename him as a wolf at some stage. Uh, potentially, because he's going to hurt the body of Christ by his particular doctrine that he's going down. Um, you know, we've, we've taken on uh, Joseph Prince and his teachings, and we do, I'm doing it publicly because we, we applied Matthew 18. We said, if you see your brother's sin, show him his sin. If he doesn't, doesn't take what you say, take another brother. If he doesn't take it, take it to the church. 
and then it says, mark the person, and, uh, you know, what you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. You know, people always go around binding and loosening COVID and all sorts of spirits, and, but the reality, in the context, it's in church discipline of Matthew 18, and there's an immense authority that's been given to God's leaders, and God's church, for that matter. Um, immense authority. Uh, we are spirit beings. We've had to heard that, I've heard that saying for 40 years. We are essentially, first, a spirit being with a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, and we in a, a, a very fragile, you haven't noticed it by now, uh, human body. Um, the very fact that you have to go and park that body every day for a, a third of its the day and sleep tells you a little bit of insight that it's got some weaknesses to it. Um, and so if you ever experienced sickness in any way or weakness in any way in your body, you'll realize that this body is temporary and it's not going all the way in this into eternity. It will have, it's got a Life's, it's got a timeout, it's got a um, sell-by date, and uh, everyone sitting in this room has only got one date. Uh, a lot of people have got two dates. You go to any cemetery, and you'll see they've got two dates to their life. And you'll also have a, a date at the end of your life one day. And so the most important thing that we can do in this side, this side of eternity is prepare for going into eternity and, and living in eternity even now, laying hold of it in our hearts and saying, Lord, I'm an eternal being, and everything I do in this life will affect the next life. One of my responsibilities as a leader and other leaders with me is to prepare God's people to give an account for their life, because the Bible says everybody must give an account for their life one day. You are going to stand before God for every word that you spoke, every action that you did, every thought that you had, and how you lived your life on this earth. The Bible says you're going to have to give an account before God. And so many Christians, again, you know, the, the devil loves to even get Christians to be neutralized. I think I'm, forgive me if I mentioned some of the stuff last week. It's all for Ross because he wasn't here. I'll overlap a little bit. And, um, but the reality is the devil would love to neutralize the church, just get her to be in a place of just going nowhere slowly and just having lovely Sunday meetings, singing songs, having kids' church, going to maybe come during the week and having good friendships. I mean, there's, a lot of people get swept, brought into church and, and I'll continue in church just because of the friendships. People are so kind to them, nice to them, help them, and, uh, but often they're not even born again. And the most essential thing is that we are this morning, that are you born again? And it's, it's amazing. You know, sometimes I've had to challenge people over many years I've been in the church of, um, are you really saved? And I can't make any judgment on them. It's not my job to do. It's between them and God. But, you know, by your fruit, it'll be evidence of whether someone believes in something or what they believe in. There'll be evidence of that. And there's some people who, whose lives just don't produce fruit. And I'm not saying, you know, we, we all want to produce fruit, but some people are just a little bit not fruity. And... Um, <laughs> And you know, so my wording to the person will be, if I was you, I would be concerned whether I'm actually born again or not. Because I think guys have an emotional experience on a Sunday. Because God's given us emotions, and they're great. Um, but they must supplement. They cannot really override truth. So sometimes we can be an emotional time here. And you may sense something, and who wants to give your life to Jesus? Yes, me. And, and go forward and have an emotional experience, but actually not a life-changing experience of being born again in the Spirit. And so the Bible says, judge yourself, test yourself to see in your, if you're in the faith. I do. 
Um, I'm convinced I'm born again, and I know the Lord Jesus. But there are times when I think, Lord, have I drifted in any way? Have I just got used to this, and I, I know what to do? I mean, I can get up here now, and out of a lifetime of experience of walking th- with God, I can just speak. Um, but, Lord, am I really, really in that sweet place with you? Um, you know, the Bible says you can lose your first love. Uh, you can. Of, uh, of falling in love with him. And not emotionally, but just, Lord, you're everything. I remember getting born again in 1980. Some of you weren't even born then, but I got saved in 1980, and my whole world turned upside down. I was part of a country, this, this country, which considered itself a Christian nation, of which, of which there's no such thing. There's no Christian nation uh, in the world. That's not God's kingdom is not of this world. So he's got a kingdom of people, and there's his, his, his people. And uh, I just, you know, someone had asked me before that, you know, are you going to heaven? Yeah, of course, man. You know, on Facebook, I'm part of all sorts of groups, and somebody dies on a motor racing club or something and it's all RRP, RRP, RRP. How do you know they're resting in peace? You know, do you, what do you believe? Because the, well, the Bible does say that God has set eternity in the hearts of all men. All people know. I was listening to a radio uh, talk show and the guy was called The Naked Scientist. He's a British guy and I was listening to him on radio a few years back and uh, I hope he wasn't naked, uh, but it's just a terminology how they use. And people could ask, phone and ask him any question. And this guy was unbelievably intelligent. And um, he knew the answers to so much stuff. And uh, someone asked him something about fasting and the body. And he said, well, our bodies were created. And he stopped. Whoa, just realized he'd made a mistake because um, he doesn't believe in creation. He, doesn't, he believes in, he's an atheist. And he believes in the Big Bang and the bodies have evolved. And... He like laughed a little bit embarrassed. Like, uh-huh. um, our bodies have evolved uh, too, and he started answering the question. But his first answer was, "We were created." He knew it in his heart, but he, he caught himself out and exposed himself at that moment. So maybe he was naked at that point. Um, and so, you know, we call to serve God in this lifetime, 100 percent, and to bring our lives to a place of submission to Him. And uh, this morning, I want to speak and highlight godly leadership. You know, why godly leadership? I've been trying to highlight healthy church with us. Uh, and how do we, can we look as a healthy church? Because this area is called to be reached for Jesus. And, and we go to go out into the marketplace um, and touch people. When I did live, <coughs> excuse me, when I participated in the marketplace for a good 24 years or so, um, that was my evangelical area. That's where I went to tell people about Jesus. The career, the job was always secondary. I love the story of the, the Australian car dealership, big one in Australia. I read this years ago. Uh, he would employ unsafe people only and then get them saved and then fire them. Um, <laughs> he said, You've, you came here for a reason, to get born again. You've now, we've, we've got you to that place. Now, this place is no longer of any service to you. Go and take what you've got into the world. And uh, quite an interesting concept. Um, so, you know, sometimes I, uh, you know, people always say, I mean, I work for such an amazing company. Everybody's a Christian. And I often wonder, is that a really a good thing? Then what are you doing there then? And who are you going to reach? Um, because we're looking for perfect life all the time. And we all have prayer meeting at lunchtime. And, you know, every, my boss is a Christian. And it's fantastic. Everyone, I think, but is that really God's ideal? Or does he say, well, maybe you should go and get a job somewhere else. And uh, where you can take what you've got. That sounds radical. Because most Western people think, but this is my, you're talking about my career here, my job. And, you know, I've got to provide for my family. And, and uh, I've, I'm just 
provoking this morning. I'm trying to make you think differently, kingdom because the kingdom values are so different to this world. How much of the world is in you that you don't even know about it? And I speak to myself. Um, we condition, condition, condition continuously. And uh, that's like someone, I think I mentioned this last week, some famous guy said, uh, show me the world and I'll show you the church in 10 years' time. And we're seeing that, the church collapsing on values continuously at the moment. And we, they're not holding the line. And so this morning I want to provoke you as well to make a decision to hold the line in your own life, no matter what it takes. A very good friend of mine, Dylan, um, he got saved into Josh Jen, rough guy um, back in the day. It's a little bit rough around the edges. Um, but he and I, he's one of my close friends, like a son to me. He got saved, I think, at the age of about 27, 28 in Josh Jen. With his, living with his wife now that he is. At the time, he had long hair, surfer, big guy. Uh, his brother-in-law's Gary Teichman, for those who remember Springbok Rugby. Rugby captain, uh, and Dylan's a big guy, rough guy. He's been stabbed in the back in the townships and lung collapsed and fighting, and he's just an, and he got radically saved. And God convicted them that they shouldn't be doing this living together business, and, and they, they separated and, and lived in different places and then got married and, and been incredible deacons for over 20 years. Um, but he was challenged once in his workplace. He's a printer. And he phoned me one day and he said, you know, the, uh, the company is printing pornography now and they want him to print this stuff. What does he do? So, and I can't tell him, I, we can't tell people what to do. We can guide them always towards what God would say. Well, and if it was me, I, was, I said to him, I, I don't think I could do that, you know, to go against my conscience. So he said, okay, um, that's my conscience, conviction as well. Goes to his boss, says, I'm resigning. You've got no job to go to. Got a wife to feed now and look after and family, etc. And, and and the boss says, yeah, but can't we change this? Change this? He says, no, I refuse to print pornography. If it means compromising my values, cheers. And he left. But God gave him another job, you know, and he walked in out in faith, just stepped out following Jesus at that point, and his life was completely turned around. So there's a lot of values, a lot of deception. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Just play it down. Um, but we see such fruit to holding the line. Um, so godly leadership has to hold the line. Yeah. And we, we not yet to be popular. Um, I've preached many times over the years, and all I've done is, I thought, just sharing the, the truth and the Word of God. I've get, you can hear people in the upset, they'll slam their books closed and get up and walk out, you know. It's not what I came to hear. And, um, and, but really, we've seen radical fruit to what we're doing. Uh, I was in business, as I said, I was in production, I was a factory manager, and if we're not producing results, I worked for Total, we had to send stats to France every, every month, and, uh, but if you're not doing well in business, you're going to go down. You know, there's no one there to say, oh, don't worry, it's going to be okay, here's some more money, just carry on, and you're doing a great job, you know, we're going to keep employing you even though you're messing up the whole company, you get fired. You get dismissed. I've fired people. I've dismissed people, you know, incompetence and all these type of things. And, and so you, and we understand in the world that you've got to produce results. You, you, there's, there's consequence if you don't. And likewise on leadership, um, there's got to be fruit to what we're doing. You know, if there's not fruit, if we don't see evidence of Jesus changing your lives, if we don't see it, then we've got to question ourselves. I led Durbanville now, the congregation, about 400 folk, for, for nearly 10 years. And if anything started happening in that church, the first thing I go to is me. 
Have I opened the door in any way into these people's lives? Because in, in Israel understood that there were gatekeepers. The elders sat at the gates, and they were gatekeepers. They watched what came in and what went out. Um, likewise, we have a responsibility as leaders to how we live our lives, because God works in the principle of it's not what you say, it's how you live. And so you look at the qualifications for an elder, 13 out of the 14 qualifications are character, not, well, you must be able to teach, you know, gifting. With so much of the church is built on gifting. Miracles, if, if, if they are genuine, even most of them today, um, and preaching ability and power man and uh, suit and just great oratory skills and uh, charisma. And straight away, 4,000 people will join someone like that. They've come there to follow the, God, the man of God. We've got this man of God syndrome. And, but God's looking for such down-to-earth ordinary people. You know, Isaiah said that there was nothing to attract us to him. Even his own brothers questioned, half-brothers, you know, are you really the Messiah? I mean, you, I mean, you're a good oak, but are you really the Messiah? So the leaders that we're looking for to lead God's people must be approved by God. They've got to be tested. They've got to have battle scars on them. Um, the young man we restored this week uh, into leadership of a congregation um, as I said, they're announcing it this morning to the congregation. Um, uh, when I met with the deacons and elders on Tuesday night to, you know, to let them know where we're up to and what's happening with the situation, and uh, I said, he's got a battle scar on him now. He's actually a young guy. He's a cool-looking dude, surfer. And, but, he, but inside, he's aged. There's a humility about him that he didn't have before. He had, a, he had a youthful arrogance by his own words, his public admission. Uh, it was a youthful arrogance that he had. And like, you know, I, I'm the guy, and I've got gifting, and he has. He'll get up here and, wow, the presence of God. And, but God says, no, 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 I'm looking, who are you? What is your foundations? Can I lean on you? And when you go into battle, what will you take? What will you lead my people into? What will you open up among, into my people? Um, so we consider even now, it's, it's a fearful thing to be a leader. You know, everyone, everybody wants to lead because they think they can boss everybody else around. Um, but in the kingdom, and the Bible says they're going to be judged more severely than in all the rest. You know, I watch all the guys comment on Facebook when, when our Tim Keller puts up a, a posting, and suddenly everybody's an expert. You know, they're all suddenly theological degrees behind their names, uh, imagined, I imagine, and, uh, and they start telling him how he's got it wrong, and he's, actually, this is incorrect, and they're all correcting him. I think, wow, what's arrogance, you know? You weren't called to hold him to account. He should have brothers around him who will hold that. He submitted to other men of God and, and ladies who will speak into his life and correct him where need be, not some random public oak on Facebook who thinks he's got an opinion. You know, um, opinions of trumping facts now and reality. And so, you know, as leaders, when we raise people up, if we can look in, uh, I'm quoting a lot of scripture, but we, let's put some up so you, just to confirm if we are using the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to put up Colossians 1, 28? Have you got that there? 28 and 29. This, for my Durbanville guys, is a scripture that they know backwards because I'm always using it. as um, just a good summary of leadership. We proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, our labor, struggling with all his energy, which works so, powerf which so powerfully works in me. 
So we, we want to present God's people um, to Him one day. We want to present His people back to Him. And say, you're His bride. He came to die for you, and we didn't die for you. We can die for you in our own way in terms of dying to self, but Jesus is the only one who could be our Savior, and, be, and He belongs to you, His precious bride, that uh, He wants to get ready for that beautiful wedding that's going to happen on that day that we see in Revelation. This is an incredible wedding. You guys are talking about weddings here and good weddings. But I tell you, there's a wedding of all weddings that's going to take place. We, is this a reality? You know, people think, no, it's just pie in the sky and it's, it's you know, it's just all figure. No, this is, folks, you've got to start dreaming of what, how God sees you and God's expectation. Jesus is waiting for his bride. He's very patient. Um, but he's waiting for his bride to to come into fullness, and that time Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back. You know, I first got saved, we were so into the fact that Jesus could come back any moment. Um, even then, back in 1980, 81, we thought his, his return was imminent, any moment now. You know, we'd say, when we like, parted ways, we'd say, hey, if the rapture takes place tonight, if there's a rapture, um, we're all meeting at the East Gate, you know. And uh, we do silly things like that. And, and we really thought the world couldn't carry on any longer. It was so broken. And at that, in our understanding at that time, it was so messed up that Jesus was about to come right now. Even then, we were talking about Russia. It's in such a bad way. It has to attack Israel now. And, uh, and all these things and theories, and we used to study them and the rapture. And, and we'd have Americans come and preach, and they'd start bouncing up and down. The guy says, practicing his rapture jump, you know. And... Um, <laughs> We've seen a lot of crazy stuff in church over the years. Um, had Jesus come to the church once. Uh, I was at door duty uh, as a deacon, many years as a young man, and this guy came in a robe and a staff and long hair, and he said, he's Jesus. I said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. And they had a, the, the building we were in there, like a picture of Jesus, the Last Supper. So he said, look, there's my picture on the wall. And I said, no, that's not, that's not you, mate. Um, he got, a bit, he got a bit aggressive. He told me where to stick my Bible, which was a good giveaway that he wasn't Jesus. Um, so anyhow, we've dealt with that. So good leadership, you know, leads God's people into fruitfulness, into health, uh, into every saint coming alive. And that's also, you've got to look at your response. How then do you respond to leaders? Um, we see that in Hebrews uh, 13, 7, uh, it says that you call to imitate that one you have got as well. Imitate your leader's faith. That's what we're going to go to in a, in a sec. We'll go straight to that. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. And the modern world hates the word obedience. Um, they, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. And so we've got authority, and it's scary authority what we've got. I mean, we can put people out of the church, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 5. We can hand them over to Satan, and we've done that on very rare occasions after much tears and pleading and begging the person to repent of their sin. Only for unrepentant sin who pe and people who claim to believers who are born say they're born again and, and refuse to line up with Jesus' truth, only in those situations are we then compelled 
It says when you get together, because most churches slip you out the back door. Oh, you, you're sinning. Just go away, please. And we don't have nice church here on Sunday. You, you're messing up our nice church. And, but the people learn when they see godly um, discipline take place. There's a, something that brings life to God's people. I mean, guys have always been mystified by our church, that we're so full of joy, enjoy Jesus, we have fun, we tell jokes. Someone said the other day we shouldn't laugh because Jesus didn't laugh. But, um, but, you know, we have real joy and peace in our hearts, yet we hold quite a firm line scripturally, not yeah. Josh Jen. We're not yet to build Josh Jen. Not Josh Jen says or 412 says, you know, or Russell says or Andrew says, because people want to, they want to, they want to fight me. They don't want to fight God. I found that. Um, but I, I, I'm not scared to fight people if it's godly. Um, but that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to point them to Jesus. I'm called to connect them to the Word of God. And when a lady phones me the other day, very high up in judicial uh, things in this country, and she wants to marry a man, and they'll get together with them. They're older than me, both of them. Look at the situation and say, I, I don't think you can remarry according to the decisions, that, the things that you've done over the years in terms of married, divorce, married, divorce. And, um, and she, and I said, but let's look at the scripture together. Because you must find in your heart what I'm saying. Because they want to they say, Russell said I can't get remarried. I didn't say anything. I said, the Bible says you can't. Go and fight with God. There's your, there's your, that's the person you've got to take it up with. Because marriage is a holy covenant. It's not just a random thing. I'm a marriage officer. I can sign you up right now. But uh, that's, just the, that's just paper. That's the covenant that people make. And it's a powerful covenant because it represents Jesus and his bride. It's a re it represents something. It is a holy thing that, that, that the devil hates because of what it represents. And what, is, what does he attack? He always attacks the most beautiful things that God gives us. Sex was given to us as a beautiful thing between a man and a married man and a woman. It's in the Bible from beginning to end. The whole thread of the Scripture right the way from the beginning to the end is, a, is man and, fee, and woman. And, and, and when it comes to holy matrimony, that's all it is. Even the end is Jesus coming for his bride. It's, that's what it is, and, we, and we're standing, and this makes us terribly unpopular in modern day and age. We know that. Um, but we've got to hold the line of truth. We've got to stick to what God says, not what I say and what you say and what the current opinion is and where the world's changed. The world, worlds have changed and things have come and gone over the years. Politics come and go. Countries dominate each other, conquer each other. These things will happen. In 100 years' time, this, this country may look completely different as it did 100 years ago, and, and worldwide. And you know, Jesus came to an oppressed people. He was born into an oppressed people by the Romans, brutal people. I mean, seriously brutal. Uh, and it's the world continuously, so we don't come to serve this world. We come to serve another kingdom. Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. And leaders of God are called to lead God's people to that, that beautiful, spacious place. And if we don't recognize this, the church will go nowhere. It was never called to be leaderless. You know, at the end times, there'll be a leaderless army. No, no, that, that, that Joel army was not a good godly army. It was assembled by God, but it wasn't, for, it wasn't representing him in the way he wanted. And always God has raised up men to lead his church. Always. And he's his people. Always. He's always raised up leaders. He's chosen weak men. When he chose Peter, he knew Peter was going to drop him badly, let him down. All his disciples, you're all going to let me down. No, no, no not, uh, not us, but yes, you. 
And he said, no, I'm giving you guys the keys to the kingdom, you. And here we are standing 2,000 years later with, as leaders in God's church with the, with the same keys to bring God's people into the kingdom to serve him and glorify him. The same keys. God is unchanging. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So his values are unchanging. The world's values can swing or go all over the place, but we're not led by those things. And, if we do, and to, even today, there may be some of us here sitting in deception. I'm, I'm constantly checking. Am I in deception anyway of the way I understand church? Is anything we've got to revisit as, as a church? We, as a church, we are constantly revisiting our doctrines. And Lord, have we, do we I fully understand your um, understanding of marriage and divorce, for instance? Because it's so relevant, it's so in our face, so pertinent in our faces today. When I was growing up, divorce in unsafe people was extremely rare. Unsafe people. You just, I mean, divorce was like a, a massive thing. People just didn't get divorced. Today it's in the church. The church just allows marriage and divorce, marriage and divorce. And then maybe for anyone who has been divorced here, <clears throat> there is always different circumstances for every person. So do not feel condemned in any way. There are, you, you've done your journey, and there's some here that I know of, and um, you've got clear consciences. And, uh, but I'm just talking about those who would go for, from here and those who take it lightly and don't fully understand the covenant of marriage. So understand that the leaders have to give an account for you. I always ask people who say they, you know, I, 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 just me and God. I only trust God. I only trust Jesus. I don't trust any man because he's going to let me down. He's let me down in the past. And uh, it's just me and God. And, um, and I always ask them, so but then who's going to give an account for you when you stand before God one day? He says that the leaders have to give an account for us. Um, if you've got a problem, who are you going to take it to? Because Matthew 18 says, take it to the church. Where's your church? No, you don't believe in the church. No, I'm just part of the church. I'm sitting in my home watching TV. That's not how God works. If you see the Bible, it's very interactive, very lifestyle-driven, very much lives touching lives. There's, again, we are living in a challenge of technology where people can go and sit in their, in their, their homes and, and watch, God, watch TV and church. and that. But that's not real church. Church is people doing life together, getting messy, irritating each other, uh, blessing each other, and, and really iron sharpening iron. And we've we got to get there. We've got to understand that. And then, uh, so as leaders, I'm very, only covered very briefly, um, they've got to answer for us before God one day. They've got to present us before God one day. As just little humans, they've got to present themselves. Um, are they going to mis make mistakes? They are. Are they going to let you down? Yes, they are. If they haven't let you down, go and ask them to let you down now. Get it over with. Because um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I really don't want to hurt anyone. Must not, you know, my heart, I know, does not want to hurt one person, but I know I've hurt people as a leader. I know it. I, sometimes, I, years later, I suddenly realize, oh, no, did I really say that? Did I really act like that towards that person? That I, sometimes I'll look them up if I can and apologize and say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong there. But understand, I'm just a, one person. I trust them in God's grace that he will bring them through and keep them safe. Um, and then just quickly, let's just look at, you know, all of us, um, where do we stand? Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. says that we are created to go do good works. 
and uh, before time. So every, as you're sitting here this morning, God, for us by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were born, God had plans for your life. He knew about you. He knew that you would be alive today, sitting here at this moment in Cape Town. He knew all about you. He knew what your language would be or everything, every aspect of you. Uh, he knew, knew. But in that, he said, I've got plans for you. I've, got, I've created things for you to do. And I would encourage every one of us this morning that, Lord, what, where, where do I fit in? What should I be doing? What, 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 what's the calling on my life? And that's, again, where we interact with leaders and to go to them and say, help me to understand where I fit in. Help me to understand. Because some of us may just be at the bottom of the journey, right at the beginning. We may have things we have to unpack before we can start going forward. Um, so every person is different sitting here. But every one of you is unique and that God has given you something to add to us. I'm a gift. You're a gift. We're all gifts that God says. He, gives, he distributes his gifts as he wills. Some of you are excellent teachers or excellent pastors, excellent evangelists and uh, administration. Romans talks about even administration being a gift. It says if you even talk about leadership in Romans, that if you're, <coughs> if you're called to be a leader, then lead well. Do it. You know, I was a reluctant leader. Um, I've always been, you know, God's always picked the superstars before me over the years. And, but I'm just, I've just been there. And I realized at one stage my personality was getting in the way of God. And, uh, you know, I'd be shy. And I don't want to get up and... They say people fear speaking on the mic more than death, which is a bit strange. Um, but, you know, a lot of guys, they come up here and they, they stand and they go, oh, so many people. You, have you seen that over the years when people called up to speak and they, and they suddenly just don't know what to say? And... They, and um, and so I had to get, get over myself in terms of my personality. I'm an introvert. So, but Lord, if you call me to lead, then I've got to walk in front of, by example. I've got to live a life that people can see. I've got to, I've got to have the courage to speak into people's lives and correct. The Bible says I need to do that sometimes and uh, encourage, encourage people. And, and I, I, I've just got to get over my personality. I'll never be Wilmer Reyes. Most of you may know him. He's a, he had a loud and he's still sorry, got a loud personality. Um, he's just an amazing gift that God gave us in terms of who he was. I'll never be, I can't, I don't want to be a Wilmer. I want to be a Russell Fraser. And you must just be you and the way God's created you, but don't let you get in the way. Um, I might have said this last, last time. Um, I think it was D.L. Moody, the expert, Ross, did I mention? Yeah, that he's, someone asked him who's given you the most problems in life. He said, well, D.L. Moody's given me the most problems in life. And um, so we can sometimes get in the way. Did I mention Anuri? Um, Anuri is a lady in Durbanville, and she's an actuary, I think, and didn't mention the story. Okay, so, so we had a leaders meeting. We had about 70 leaders in Durbanville, and uh, asked Anuri, she was sitting over there, and I said, Anuri, won't you give feedback on how the pantry fund is doing, you know, she's in charge of that. Everybody's giving sort of feedback on kids ministry and worship and, and she just sat there and froze and she went red, I mean seriously red. Eh? And uh, I, I felt awkward, everyone's feeling awkward so sort of I had to dig deep in my leadership skills and move the conversation to someone else and um, after I went to her and I said, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. She says, no, do that again. I've got to get over my fear of man. And today she'll get up in front of crowds and speak 
plainly and openly. She chose to break something in a person, a fear of man and speaking, because she had something in God to bring. Now, she brings stuff now in God. And so if you are getting in the way of you, then will you get out the way, please, and let God shine through you and use you in whatever he's called you to do? Rather step out and make mistakes. Rather step out and make mistakes. This should be a safe place as a family where, where we can step out and say, and someone says, hey, Rossman, hey, what you shared there was great. Just went on a little bit too long, or, you know, you, you started rebuking the people. Don't do that next time, you know. Um, just encourage them, and, uh, you know, you can just correct and, and, and help one another and if, because we need you. We seriously need you. We need all hands on deck. And we need everyone stepping forward and saying, God, use me. Use me, Lord. If, if he doesn't want to step forward, she doesn't want to step forward, use me. I'll step forward. And that's where I am. That's why I am where I am today in leadership. Because I was, other guys were falling by the wayside and I just kept standing. Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, stand. I've had just as many attacks as everybody else. You know, people often sit with me in counseling and say, you know, but my son is unique. You know, I'm special. I said, no, I've heard this story a hundred times, you know. They say, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to be, you're going to be shocked by. And they finished speaking. I said, where's the shocking part? And I've told you already. No, I've heard that a hundred times, you know. And so everyone thinks they've they they got unique sin and unique issues that they're dealing with. And no, because the devil does that. He'll separate. You're different to everyone else. Everyone here is cooking. They're all, their lives are all together. If they could see inside and the things that you're going through and the thoughts that you've got right now, they wouldn't come near you. And that's how the devil works. He separates. He isolates. He brings disunity. And in, in your own mind often, you, how many of you ruled yourselves out from God using you? You come in here. You can be lonely in a crowd. You know, you can walk out of here and feel very lonely. No one, I hate it when I hear people come to church and no one connected with them. Often we get up as leaders, we're looking around. Is anyone new here? Is someone connected? Like, I look at him just sitting over there. In the old days, they used to read notices. We don't have that anymore. It's all, up, you know, it's all other ways, but that's, you, you could check the visitors. They'll be sitting, reading something. And, you know, we call to interact, reach out, grab. I love it when some lady phones me one day and says, it took me two years to get my husband to come to church. And five people invite him out for coffee. Can you tell your guys to back off? You know, he's overwhelmed. Um, so I said, okay, good problem to have. Um, but we, we need you guys, ladies. You know, it's inclusive language these days. We need you. We really do. And if there's anything getting in the way, get rid of it. Deal with it. Uh, present yourself to Christ as a living sacrifice. And by doing that, he's given you leaders to lead you into. They're not... God, they're not between you and God, but they're there to help develop you and to bring you into your fullness. That one day, I want to know when I stand for God, that I've got a whole lot of tired people next to me that have all well used and used their gift for Jesus, as opposed to the guy in the parable presents his gift back perfect, and Jesus says, no, you wicked, lazy servant, you, you buried your gift, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Um, so can I encourage you that this morning? Um, leaders, saints, response, developing the church into more. Brass, I saw a picture of you with a guitar this morning, just with the guitar and sort of going through reeds and just forging away, waving the guitar side by side like this, breaking things open in worship. Um, and it doesn't mean necessarily the guitar and music and stuff, but it means your lifestyle of worship and creating a space for others to come behind. Um, and I feel that that Lord wants to awaken more in you. You've gone a little bit dormant, I think. I don't know your whole life but at the moment. But um, I feel the Lord says, report for duty. Um, God's calling you into more. 
And uh, yeah, that's what I feel I have for you. So, let's stand, folks. Father, I thank you for these precious saints that you've put in amongst us here, Lord. And, we, you've, and I trust that, that everyone has got a heart to present this morning uh, of genuine hearts. I've said, Lord, here am I. Have all of me, God. We sing, we sing the songs, and we don't want to be those who tell lies when we sing songs. We want to be those who speak the truth and say, Lord, have all of me, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. And uh, that we mean it with sincere hearts. And I pray for every single person this morning that they'll walk and journey in the fullness of what you've called them into in this lifetime as it leads into the next. And so if anyone is convicted this morning or touched by God in any way, I want you to respond to God. Um, You're not responding to me. Uh, I really want you to respond to the Lord. If you feel that you, man, I've just sat on my hands for too long. I want to I wanna go, I want to walk in more. Uh, I'm an honorary. I've sat there and gone, I've blushed and I've just gone, got stage fright and I, I just haven't moved when the opportunity was given me. Um, so if that is you this morning, if you feel that you want to step into more, step into more, I want you just to raise your hands to God. Raise your hands. I mean, there should always be a hunger in us and a thirst in us for more. Uh, but this morning, if it's you and you've, and God, something's got to shift, something's got to change. Um, take all of my hearts, Lord. You can't give them half your heart, folks. You can't be lukewarm. You know, you, you get, the Bible says you will be spat out. Um, as I always told people, if you're going to sin, then go and sin properly. Uh, so you know the grace of God. You know the mercy of God. You understand how far away you are from God. But those who just sit on the fence, oh, man, no, don't sit on the fence this morning. Be passionate for Jesus. Trust him. Some of you have lost trust in leaders. Some of you have lost trust. And because of that, you've lost trust sometimes even in God. And I want God, I want you to open your hearts back to leaders and they in this room and as, as representing those who God has ordained to lead you into more. If you've lost trust in, in leaders, let God speak to you this morning and restore that trust. Bring healing. He's a God who heals. And the healing of the heart is the most powerful healing that we can experience. The body, that's wonderful, but the heart. And if your heart has been bruised and damaged by leaders in any way, won't you just forgive again? It might be for the hundredth time, but choose to forgive again and choose to trust. Trust is a choice. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always trusts. And you may have pulled back your trust and said, no, I'm not going to give half. I'm just, I've got been there, done that. And I want you to choose to trust this morning. I've been hurt. I've had all the sorts of reasons to leave church, bail out, dive out along the way. But I said, Lord, kept getting back into the fight because God's looking for courageous people. He said, the courageous will inherit the kingdom, not the cowards. And don't let there be no cowards here this morning in the spirit. Let there be brave women and men of God who will serve their king no matter what it takes. Even if you've got to be humiliated, let that be, let it happen. doesn't matter. You're dead. You're supposed to be dead. And I've been humiliated. I've been, but it's okay. I get, dust myself up, Lord. I find forgiveness and I find trust again. I choose to trust. Um, and so, Lord, heal your people this morning. Heal your beautiful bride that she will shine. You're calling her to be unblemished, pure, and holy. And we're a holy people, God, set apart for this time for your purposes. I pray this over this congregation that it will smash this area in you, Jesus, and the greatest surrounds, Lord, that you will use this church, this group of people, 
to be united in one heart as they serve you, and that greater things can come from that unity. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Bless you, Lord. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, you're not sure about your salvation, please come talk to one of us. Um, I think it was Spurgeon who didn't like to do altar calls, you know, so who wants to give your life to you, put your hand up. He said, no, if you want to give your life to you, come see me tomorrow morning, because now it could just be emotion. But if you're genuine, you're hungry for God, come see me tomorrow morning and give your life to Jesus. This is life and death issues and matters, being born again. But you can come speak to us now if you want, and we will lead you to Jesus and tell you all about this amazing Savior. Um, but you've got to be hungry. Uh, you've got to be hungry for Jesus. Bless you. Thank you, guys. And keep strong in the Lord.